Hi, everyone. Kat and Liz here. And before our official episode starts, we want to talk to you about May being Mental Health Month. Unless this is your first Real Job Talk episode, you've heard us talk about self-care, prioritizing mental health, caring for your fellow employees by checking in with them, and following your energy towards what brings you joy. We believe in taking care of yourself in order to bring your best self to work every day. But since it's Mental Health Month, we want to highlight the importance of doing what you need to do to make sure you're developing into the best self you can be. This has been a super trying year for everyone between the pandemic, issues around racial and gender inequalities, political unrest, and general uncertainty about the future of our workplaces, our nations, and our world. We want to take this opportunity to let you know that we care about you. If you're struggling, look into resources that can help you. Your company may have an ERP program. Your doctor may have recommendations. And there are great online mental health resources like BetterHelp.com at reasonable prices. If you're feeling stuck in your career and it's getting you down, reach out to a coach or to us. We do coach together for our bargain $150 a session. But whomever it is, make sure to reach out to someone to help you get unstuck. Maybe you need to take more breaks in your day, find hobbies that bring you joy, or spend more time with friends and family. Maybe you need better work-life boundaries or a clearer calendar. Maybe you need to find more meaning in your life so that you can connect that meaning back to help motivate you to do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. We're here to support you and encourage you to take care of yourself so that you can be better in both work and life. We care about you and we wish you health in May and throughout the year. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not set at the water cooler. I'm Kat Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. And today we're going to talk about toxicity. Specifically, we're going to talk about how to figure out if a potential new work environment is a toxic one. So if you're currently looking for a job, you're probably going to want to pay attention to what we're going to say now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not searching for a job, it's important to identify if your current culture is healthy or toxic for you too. So this episode is inspired because this week I had a client who was working at a toxic culture for the last few years, even moving groups, but finding the new group was just as toxic as the old one. Mm. And so now that they've left their company, they're excited to be entering the job search without the concern that like, oh gosh, what if my boss finds out? What if someone at work knows I'm interviewing? So it's so nice to be able to Look when you don't have a job just for that reason. You're not sneaking around. Right. But that all said, they're worried that they'll end up in another toxic environment and they're scared, which is mm-hmm. really holding them back from starting their search. And they just don't want to end up in Toxicville again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I looked up like their old company's branding. And of course the branding is like, we love everybody and everybody mm-hmm. thrives here. And it's such crap. It's good copy. It's good copy, oh, it's but is it true or not, copy. right? It's bull. And, you know, you can't rely on the company career site and value to know the real environment. Mm-hmm. And so this inspired us to talk about like, how do you figure out what the real culture is? Because the branding looks good mm-hmm. and the reality, not so great. 
Mm -hmm. So we do have some episodes on how to approach interviews. That would be Mm -hmm. good episodes to review back on because Mm -hmm. we go into much more detail about things like an ideal job list and a must-have list, right? For sure. Those are the things that I would assume that this person who you met with this past week, I would assume that they probably have identified the things within the culture that they thought were toxic. So hopefully those are on their must not have list, right? Yes. And I think that's a big piece, you know, so they have a must have list, like that's all good and done, but it's the, how do I not get tricked again? Yeah. Yeah. And just to round out the story, we did talk through that and they're on their way, mm-hmm. on their way to interviewing. And I'm sure you sent them lots of questions to ask to make sure yeah. that they verified that the values are indeed what they say they are. Yep. Yep. But I just think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if it's, you know, if you've been in a toxic environment and then you leave for another one and you, and you end up, you, you leave for a healthy environment and you end up in another toxic environment. Mm-hmm. And that's like, then you start to question your judgment, right? For sure. I'm super impressed that this person reached out for help, right? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's always a good step to, to, to find someone to help you get your clarity. Yep. Toxicity PTSD is no joke, right? Mm-hmm. And it's totally understandable that they have some fears that are up around that. Sure. So before we kind of take a deep dive into toxic workplaces, I, I think we should define what we mean by a toxic work environment. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, you know, I'll start with that, Liz. Yeah. So I think a toxic work environment may mean different things to different people. We're all different. You know, we're not cookie cutters, right? We're all a little different. Mm -hmm. So what may be toxic for some people may be less toxic for others, right? 100%. And it's all about finding the right fit for you. But I think it's important to check in with yourself and to ask if you feel safe being yourself at work, right? Mm, Like if you don't feel safe being yourself at work, Mm -hmm. the environment may be toxic for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... There may be some other personal things at play too, which are, you know, it, it would be good to explore both of those things before you decide, you know, is it me or is it the workplace or is it maybe a combination of both and it's just not a good fit, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the work that I do with my corporate clients is in support of building constructive cultures. And research has shown that constructive cultures are more effective cultures. Mm-hmm. So there are several styles that are considered constructive. One of them is achievement, and that is, you know, people who work towards self-set goals, people who accept and share responsibility. They believe that individual effort is important. Another one is self-actualizing, someone who's able to think creatively and be receptive to change, someone with high level of personal integrity uh, and self-respecting. When I hear the word self-actualizing, I think of the Maslow's pyramid because Mm. the the top of the pyramid. Yes is self-actualizing. And actually, that's a good way to think about this. When you're looking at Mm -hmm. constructive cultures, the constructive styles are at the top of that pyramid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another couple of them are humanistic encouraging, someone who solves problems constructively and involves others in decision-making process, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to just holding all the power and not sharing that. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who is encouraging, right? Like most very good mentors have a very strong extension in humanistic encouraging if they're a good mm-hmm. mentor. Bring out the best in others and encourage that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another another constructive style is affiliative. Mm-hmm. Someone who's cooperative, someone who's friendly, someone who's got concern for others, you know, is at ease with people and puts other people at ease. Totally. All of those are the kind of styles that we look for, that we try to build when we're building a constructive culture. Mm-hmm. 
So what gets in the way of constructive cultures? Often it's a lack of safety and an increase in protective behaviors, right? If you're not feeling safe, right? If you're not feeling safe, you're not going to be able to get up there to that high part of the pyramid and be encouraging and be achievement oriented because you're too focused on making sure you're safe, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of a couple of different ways. There's creating safety for yourself is kind of being a little defensive, right? So there's mm. passive defensive. Those are people that aren't doing kind of projecting power, but are more kind of being protective of themselves. So yes, you know, people who are passive defensive are people who are kind of people pleasing and approval seeking, right? Mm-hmm. People who might avoid conversations that need to be had. <laughs> people who are conventional, who, who like, you know, this is the way that it's always been done. So this is the way I'm going to continue to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And people who are dependent again, not speaking up and sharing thoughts until other people do and not willing to kind of put their neck out. Right. It's all about protecting themselves. Right. And then the other side of the coin are the aggressive defensive styles. And those are things like uh, being oppositional. You know, mm-hmm. we all know that person who just disagrees <sighs> to prove a point. Yes. Love them. Mm. I mean, that's okay. Occasionally, like there's nothing wrong with being a devil's advocate, you know, how about looking at the other side of the coin, but like consistently being oppositional, like you just know that if you come up with an idea that so-and-so is going to like have a reason why that's not a good idea for you. There's always the person or not always, but in these kinds of cultures that tear down every idea and then like put doubt. And there's something to be devil's advocate when you're working through a problem. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm big Mm -hmm. fan, big fan. But there's the person who's like, that won't work. Mm-hmm. It's the go-to. It's the go-to kind of way. And, and you know, before I knew this model, I never really thought of that as being protective, but it is. It's yes. being aggressively protective. Yes. And then competitive, people who constantly compare themselves to others and have mm-hmm. that really strong need to win. Mm-hmm. More competitive than collaborative, Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kat, you did five calls that last hour. I did six. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One up, right? Always the comparing power, Um, wanting to control others. mm -hmm. You know, we've all had that manager who is super controlling. And when you look at it from this lens of, oh, they're just defending themselves in an aggressive way. It almost it's almost disarming for me when I when I see that it's not as threatening to me anymore Mm -hmm. because I understand what's what's going on. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then, you know, perfectionistic, never wanting to make a mistake, setting unrealistic goals, trying hard to prove themselves, right? Mm -hmm. The challenging thing when you work for a perfectionistic boss is that you don't want to make a mistake, right? So, or you don't want to like raise your mistake. So what happens often for people who work for perfectionistic bosses is that if a mistake is made, they're not going to volunteer that they made a mistake Mm -mm. because then the price is going to be too high for that. So. All of those things play into, uh, you know, all of those defensive styles take away from a a constructive culture. And I think all that defensive stuff is what adds up to the toxicity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, companies that are more toxic have more of those defensive styles and less constructive styles. So what I do with companies is I take them through a 360 degree feedback process. Mm -hmm. And I've got two tools I work with. One helps people identify their thinking styles. Like what is their natural tendencies? Mm-hmm. And then it shows their thinking style. They do a self-assessment and then they'll get feedback from others as to how others perceive them from a, from a style perspective. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I do is more for leaders and managers that 
uses the same 12 styles, but it focuses more on their impact that they have. So it's the same styles, but it's just kind of slightly, it's looking more at impact than perceptions. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that when you have that kind of data in front of you, you can decide, okay, well, gosh, um, it looks like I could, I could be more affiliative. I could, I could actually share a little bit more about myself and, and, and yeah. be a little bit more caring with others. And maybe I could be a little more encouraging to people too. Mm-hmm. So it's always better to go toward something when you're trying to create change, to go towards something than away from something. Mm-hmm. So let's um, say like weight loss. You know, if I think of, oh, I want to be healthy. My goal is to move toward health as opposed mm-hmm. to away from this extra fat, right? Our brains just respond better to going towards something than away from yeah. something. Yep. It's framing. So so that's, I mean, I think that a toxic, again, a, a toxic culture is going to be different for different people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how people play and the styles they use totally play into a whether a culture is constructive or toxic. For sure. For sure. What do you think, Liz? Well, I think you summed it up, you know, in a simplistic way, I would say, you know, I love how you framed all those different ways that think that there can be mismatch that can create toxicity. Because I think some people love being micromanaged. They just mm-hmm. want it to be told what to do. And mm-hmm. other people are like, oh my gosh, this is killing me slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, a, a toxic environment is just unsafe. Mm-hmm. And that word unsafe can mean physically unsafe. Like, oh my God, you know, this building is full of asbestos unsafe. That's toxic. But it also can be like, I'm not, I'm afraid to speak my mind. As you said beautifully, I'm afraid to be myself. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to make a mistake. Like if you feel unsafe to not be punished, basically Mm -hmm. in your work environment, that is toxic and will eat at you over time. And it's not going to be a good fit long-term probably. No. No. And, and the nuance of that, it depends on your personality. It depends on your experience level. It depends on your, your approach, your boss's approach, your coworkers approach, all those things. But at the end of the day, if you don't feel safe in some way, it's probably toxic. And I'm not talking about, you know, person next door has a bad day and are like, Oh, cat enough. And then mm-hmm. apologizes. That's not a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. That's, That's someone day. had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pervasive. Mm-hmm. So Kat, what do you suggest someone does to get over a toxic work situation? You know, I think like the person that came to you, they went, they go talk to someone, talk to someone mm-hmm. who's objective, talk to a therapist, mm-hmm. a coach, a good friend, someone mm-hmm. who's on your advisory board, right? It doesn't have to be someone that you're paying, but someone who you trust, mm-hmm. who knows you. Yeah it's good to explore what triggers you, right? What, what makes it a toxic environment for you? Because you need to be able to know that to be able to dissect that Mm -hmm. and to be able to know what, what it is that you're not looking for when you go to make a move. Right. Yes, totally. Cause you have to figure out what made this toxic for me. Mm -hmm. So what exactly am I avoiding? And then the Mm -hmm. next step is what do I need to know to make sure I avoid it? So it's like a three-step thing because sometimes you're in this like passive-aggressively toxic environment, something, and you know you feel unsafe and icky and you just try to keep your head down and do your job, but you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so talking with that objective third party, whomever it is, and I think it's good to have it be like a therapist or a coach or somebody that has some skill. You can complain to your friends all you want. Like, that's great, you know, whatever. But- working with someone who can really get to the meat of the Mm -hmm. issue for you 
is going to help you hone in on what you need to figure out about the new environment going forward Mm -hmm. and to not be afraid. I think, you know, with my client, there was fear around putting themselves out there again. Well, and understandably so, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. They landed in two environments that were toxic for them. So of course it's like, they're probably trusting, they're probably questioning their judgment as well. Yes. And, you know, and last year and COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, this person's a parent, like it's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. And so I think that knowing what made something toxic and then having a plan to like go after that, which doesn't mean, I hate to say this, but doesn't mean it might not be toxic in a different way, but at least you know what makes mm-hmm. something toxic. Mm-hmm. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about like, how do you figure out during the interview process if it's going to be toxic? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's give some good examples here so that people can, like, have a checklist. Well, let's say that your last toxic environment was toxic because the only person allowed to have an opinion was your boss. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you can ask questions like, how are decisions made here? When this team starts a new project, what's the general process? Mm-hmm. You can also ask that same question to the people who will be your peers mm-hmm. about how a team shares ideas and if they feel like their voice is heard. And I think asking that same question to more than one person on the team is yes. key, right? Yes. Because you want there to be kind of a uniform response there. Although I want to say one thing. I think that the toxic environment questions should be saved for when you're interviewing versus like the recruiter screen or even the hiring manager screen. Absolutely. Because in those, what's your corporate culture? What's the group like? Those are cool. Those are Mm -hmm. great. But like, you don't want to be too detailed when you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. in the beginning, you're doing a vague assessment of, is this right for me? Is this interesting? It's like a date. What are you looking for? Right. Are we, are we in the same range? Right. It's more general that first phone screen, even that first interview. Right. When you're hardcore interviewing, that's when Mm -hmm. they're like, am I putting a ring on it? Like you're Mm -hmm. going that level deeper. Mm -hmm. And so when people come, you know, initial phone screen, like, how am I going to be measured? I'm like, whoa, honey, (laughs) you haven't even got past me yet. Yeah. So I think it's important to know that these questions have to be asked before you sign on the dotted line. A hundred percent. We're getting into all that, but like, you don't need to come out guns blazing. Mm -mm. Like slow roll, get your question answered, but slow roll and ask the tough questions. Like when the team starts a new project, you know, what's the process? Like that is not a first date question. That's a third date question. That's when you've already met with the hiring manager and now you're meeting with the team members to make sure it's a good fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're doing the same thing with you. For sure. So it's the interview process is a two way, it's a two way Mm -hmm, road, mm -hmm, right? It's mm -hmm. both parties should be interviewing each other. Mm -hmm. But back to sussing out toxicity, like the power of knowing what type of environment is toxic for you, you can ask questions around that thing. Like if I'd been a role with a micromanager, I'd ask peers about their style. I'd ask the manager Mm -hmm. their style. I'd ask about how independent I would be. What Mm -hmm. types of problems would I be expect to figure out on my own? And then I would really listen to the responses. Like if the manager's like, well, on your own, I'm going to be here with you every step of the way and you'll share everything with me. And they're, if they're concerned about me, you know, 
asking questions about, you know, working independently, I'd see that as a red flag. And then I may want to follow up with others around how involved in your day-to-day work is your manager? If you hear, and I know Kat hears this, I'm asking it very like, how how involved is the manager in your day-to-day work, peer? I'm not like hardcore, like, oh my God, is manager a micromanager? No, I'm asking no. it super lightly. Super just lightly. curious, mm-hmm. just curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some other good tips around like, sussing it out? So I think, you know, you can ask some more general questions that can help Mm -hmm. you figure things out. Like what made you join company XYZ, right? Mm -hmm. And then you listen. And then another, a good follow-up is what keeps you here? Oh yeah. I love that one. Mm -hmm. That's favorite. Mm -hmm. Because that's often going to speak to the company cultures and the value. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, if someone's been there for five years, what keeps them there? Mm -hmm. I want to know because Mm -hmm. that's awesome. You've been there five years. What keeps you here? What keeps you interested, involved? Like, how's your career growth been? By the way, people love talking about themselves. They do. They do. That's a great question no matter (laughs) what. But asking those types of things is totally going to get you more information about what work is really like in there. We're always fans about asking about the values too, not just what they are, but how they're lived. Oh, right. Because we can tell most companies have their values listed on their, on their website. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but not all companies actually live the values. So the, how they are lived is a much more effective question when you're trying to figure out, is this going to be good, a good fit for me? Yeah. I mean, Pulling back the curtain, there are people mm-hmm. that, especially bigger companies, but smaller companies have consultants do it. They're employment branding people. What mm-hmm. does that mean? It is the brand you have in the market as an employer. They're the ones working with leadership. I'm not going to put down my EB friends, but like they work with leadership. They write these values. They make mm-hmm. them look and sound good on the website, on places like the Muse or built in. Like mm-hmm. they are the ones shooting the videos and cutting them, pasting them and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Like that's all out there for you to consume and believe it is marketing. And anyone who thinks differently is not correct. So it's, oh, Kat, I see you have a value of always be learning. So tell me about your learning programs and what does that look like in real life? Mm -hmm. And Kat's like, learning. Gosh, I haven't, I actually haven't taken a professional development class in two years. I don't know if we have a budget for that, Kat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, well, but your value is always learning. You're not encouraged to learn. Tell me more. <laughs> and you can actually don't even need to, you don't even need to say that, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. don't need to point that out, but you know, if you don't get a question asked to your liking, there's nothing wrong with asking a probing second follow-up question, right? Yeah. And if the person, and then you've got to read body language, right? I mean, so like anything, if someone's shutting down or not answering, probing is not going to do you any favors Mm -hmm. and you got to make a mental note and Mm -hmm. move on. But note to self. Yeah. Note to self. They don't want to ask, answer my questions about learning. Uh, Maybe they don't have such a great learning culture. 
if that's important to you, you better be prepared to negotiate a salary that will allow you to pay for your own professional development then. Yes. Well, and another good thing that values you ask about or make sure you ask about are the ones that are important to you. Mm -hmm. If you're not the person who always wants to be taking professional courses, don't ask about the values one. But if integrity is your everything, Mm -hmm. I'd be asking about the integrity value they listed. Like, make sure you're asking about the ones that are most important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if they're not important to you, it's not as important that you cover it in the Mm -hmm. interview. Yeah, because company cultures, when you match, there are values matches. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that your core values that attracted you to that beautifully marketed, flashy website, the ones that attracted you, made you think this is the place for me. You want to make sure those are real and lived in everyday life. How many times have we had candidates and, mm-hmm. and folks that we've we've dealt with over the years, Liz, who mm-hmm. had it in their mind that they wanted to work for XYZ company because in their mind, this was the best place to work ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And when they actually followed our advice and asked the questions, they discovered, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to be, you know, that seems to be a facade based on based on the answers they got. Yeah. And how good is that to be able to have enough sense of going into an interview to know what questions you're going to ask to make sure that you find the questions, you find the answers that you need. Mm-hmm. That That's taking control of your career. It's so true. And, and looking beyond, you know, a lot of companies have shiny facades. Like mm-hmm. I interviewed at a company many, like over 15 years ago, we're talking, but Mm -hmm. they had the gym and bring your dogs and food. And I mean, Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, shiny things. It was Mm -hmm. fabulous. And yet the actual job, like they wanted me hiring people at $20 an hour and they all had to go to Ivy League schools. And if I put together my packet and the paperclip was on the wrong side, it would get thrown out. And I'm like, so I graduated with honors from a pretty darn good college and I wouldn't have been considered for this help desk role. Mm-hmm. That's not my values. Mm-hmm. And I turned it down. And man, that gym, like I wouldn't have had to have a gym membership. Like it was awesome, except for the fact that I think I would have felt like gross every day in the job. And I noticed that the job would be toxic to mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. despite my full belly Mm-hmm. endless M&Ms and free gym right. to offset the M&Ms. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> it, so I think that happens all the time. We romanticize places yeah. because we read about them. Can we talk about our employer branding friends again? We read about them. We think they're so great and we peel back mm-hmm. the curtain and it's like, wait, mm-hmm. that's a lot of smoke and mirrors you got going there. You almost got with the M&Ms. And if it's a large company, like the values may be aligned with certain groups and not aligned with other groups. So it's your Mm -hmm. job to uncover, is this group going to be a healthy group for me to work with? Yes. Is this job and the Mm -hmm. processes of this job and the way this job is done Mm -hmm. and the way this company functions and my job in relation to the company functioning, is that a good place for me? Mm -hmm. And 
understanding what you'll be doing day in, day out is part of that, but also understanding how you're interacting with others is going to be a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. So you've got to uncover it. And when you hear things like you have to be a snot and tell your friends from University of Wisconsin that graduated with honors that they're not good enough to sit and read off a script, you're like, wait, no, I'm not Mm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and that speaks to your value of integrity, right? It sure does. It's important. It's an important one to you. It's also, you know, my, it's just the no BS. And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it didn't work for me, Mm -hmm. but I could have not asked those questions Mm -hmm. and, and been really excited about the gym and the dog. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so you do have to figure those things out and then assess against your own personal must-have list mm-hmm. and everything like that and your values to see if it's a fit. So we've all been, a lot of us have been remote. People are starting to trickle back a little bit, but like, how does this all change in a remote setting? Because it can be harder to pick up on a company or group vibe, you know, when you're interviewing remotely, but also like a lot of cultures have changed drastically in the last 12 months. Yeah, it's one of the biggest challenges that my com- my client companies that I work with have is how do we oh, yeah. how do we keep our culture with this remote environment when you know most of them were environments that were people people went to work most days, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't a ton of remote work. So, I think that you know you have to ask the questions, right? Yeah. And ask how the group communicates remotely and how mm-hmm. many meetings they have and mm-hmm. what are the opportunities to collaborate. Yes. And you can learn so much from these type of questions. Yes. If I was interviewing, I'd be asking about how how have you been onboarding people over the mm-hmm. last 12 months? How will I get to know people? And again, mm-hmm. first interview, absolutely not. Last interviews, pre-offer, pre, pre-signing my name, this that's, is where... That's the time. That's the time that if there are any unanswered questions that you have, it mm-hmm. is your job to ask those questions. Yes. But how have you been onboarding people? How will I get to know other people on the team mm-hmm. or in other groups? Like, what have you guys been doing mm-hmm. to, to teach people? Like, what does that all look like? Mm-hmm. What I would ask the question, what was the company culture before? How has it changed? That's a good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like, what are you hoping changes again in the next six to 12 months as we figure out the new normal? As people go back to whatever that new normal will be, right? Has any, have any decisions about the new normal been made? Because mm-hmm. now we're at the point where those decisions are being made versus six months ago, Mm -hmm. it was conversations were starting, but it was too early. Mm -hmm. Now vaccinations are much more, you know, Mm -hmm. available, like the new normal's going to happen. And so it's time to have those conversations. Absolutely. And you can ask about that because this is a job you're taking. You're not going to be there for 15 minutes. You but so you want to make sure that not only would the old normal have been okay, but also the COVID times would have been okay and the new normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's important. So what kind of parting words do we have, Liz, to just kind of to underscore the important things when people are looking for new roles based on wanting to find a culture that is healthier for them? First of all, your must-have list and your must-not-have list have mm-hmm. to be really clear and strong, as do your list of questions 
to assess those things. They are written down with mm-hmm. notes next to each question as they're answered. Yeah, and it's okay um, to have a notebook or, you know, it's it's okay to have whatever you want to use to jot down your notes. That's, that's allowed in an interview. For sure. And like you're sitting at home on your computer, I would say, I've got Evernote up and I'm just taking notes above your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you're coming from toxicity, sometimes you feel beaten down, like Kat mentioned, PTSD before you do. Mm-hmm. you, And you're empowered in this process to make change. And you're, I, being scared is normal. But the more you're prepared to interview, to suss out potential toxicity, the better. I would also say if you feel like everything is toxic because you're kind of that scared, have a buddy that you go through things with. Be like, you know, the answer, this question this way, what do you think, Kat? And Mm -hmm. Kat would be like, dude, no. Mm -hmm. Just because they're off every every other Friday doesn't mean that they don't actually work there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like, you have to make sure that you're assessing correctly and not assessing through your fear. You have to assess through your power of moving forward. Mm -hmm. There you go. So fear is there, you know, Mm -hmm. fear is real, Mm -hmm. but it does not have to control you. Mm -hmm. You can have fear and you can still move forward. And hopefully we've given you some good, solid tools and questions to help you feel like you're more prepared to move forward. I hope so. And, you know, this may sound a little self-serving, but coming off a toxic environment is a great place to talk to a coach and to get more clarity and to make an action plan. And if you want us to be your coaches, we are here for you. And we are now offering the Liz and Cat experience as coaching sessions. So we're having fun with it. So we sure are. And we would love to help you through this. Great. Well, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. Until next time. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at realjobtalk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat. And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beaks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.